My name is Ty Wilson. I've been a musician for the better part of 20 years. Over that time, I have written, covered, and performed in almost every genre, from heavy metal to alt-rock to country music. I've met some amazing people along the way, and today, we're going to talk to one of them. This is Ty Wilson Talks. and welcome to podcast number seven of the Ty Wilson Talks podcast. I have zero announcements this week, so we're just going to jump right into it. Um, I sat down and had a conversation with Sam Tweedle, uh, who is a local professional writer journalist. He's been uh, doing that for about 17 years. Uh, He first had a website called Pop Culture Addict. after that, he uh, he's basically published work for a bunch of different uh, companies, magazines, etc. Uh, he's been featured in the National Post, Film Facts, The New Yorker, uh, CNN, New York Times. Um, he just started SamTweedle.com in August of 2020. He is a massive music fan like myself. Uh, we had a really, really fun conversation. He's met a lot of really cool people and interviewed a lot of awesome um, famous people and not famous people. He does a ton for this community, um, and I'm really excited for you to hear this. So without further ado, here is Sam Tweedle. All right. So how was your day, man? It was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a long. I work in the world of uh, condo management now. Oh, nice. How's <laughs> yeah. that going? You know what? Uh, well, I, I actually came from a background in housing. I've worked in housing offices on and off for, for a number of years. And uh, the company I'm working for now, I actually really, really dig working there. It's one of the most positive uh, positive ex- working experiences I've ever had when it comes to, like, you know, day job type stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people know this. My previous day job was a trailer park manager. So I'm, I'm very, okay. <laughs> I'm well aware of the, like <laughs> the, uh, the maintenance and managing of, of properties and stuff like that. So yes, it's, uh, <laughs> and the eccentric uh, things that can come up, the eccentric people, the eccentric things yeah. that come up. Oh yeah, definitely. Very it's, uh, so. it's definitely an adventure. <laughs> Nothing so, overly yeah. weird happened today. Well, that's good. That's every yeah. day that, 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 that you get by with, you know, nothing terrible happening is, is a step in the right direction. Exactly. It's, it's bound exactly. to happen sooner or later. Well, so, thank you again for, for agreeing to have me on your show because, uh, you know, I know I'm not, uh, I'm not the, the, uh, the musicians that you've been, uh, talking to lately, but, uh, you know, I do appreciate just chatting with me about, uh, about our work and maybe where all the different uh, cross uh, crossroads lie, because it sounds like me and yeah. you are in very similar places right now. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, mm. I'm very thankful to have you on because I know how extremely well connected you are in mm. Peterborough, but also like I've read your work in, in the past and like mm-hmm. I used to do community theater and stuff like, so I've always yep. heard your name out and about and around. And, and when you reached yeah. out, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. And the plan for this podcast was, never to just have musicians on i wanted to have all creatives so i wanted you know writers artists musicians Mm -hmm. uh fitness personal like whoever if someone's passionate about what 
they do and sure. and are and are living what they love, then that's kind of mm-hmm. those are the people I want to talk to. I, well, I, I love think that. I definitely so. fit in. But as I was telling you today, I'm I'm a huge music guy, and a, yeah, real, like p- part of my thing was writing about music. I wrote about music for years until all of a sudden I wasn't writing about it. And right, to pick right. back up now, um, working with musicians again has just been friggin' amazing. Just uh, amazing. something I really love. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you were with Pop Culture Addict. That's the company, that's right. or that's the website that you started, correct? Um, that's correct. And, back in uh, yeah. 17 or 18 years ago, I, I started it with Candace Shaw, who okay. uh, used to do the Peterborough Folk Festival and okay. is now uh, a poli- you know politician. And we started that site back about 17, 18 years ago. And because of some of the connections I've made throughout my hobbies, uh, I quickly got into uh, doing celebrity interviews, which um, uh, became quite unique, I think, for a small town guy that could barely pay his rent sometimes, jumping right. on the phone to Hollywood and, uh, you know, talking <laughs> to celebrities and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and I kind of got well known for that. And uh, I did that for about a decade. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was yeah, a lot of fun, yeah. except for when it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, I think unfortunately that it happens and I guess you try and hop over those hurdles, but do you have any, mm-hmm. you know, fun stories, any interesting celebrity, uh, oh, gosh, <laughs> celebrity yeah. stories got, about someone that you might interview about them? <laughs> I got plenty, plenty of stories. Um, I remember, um, oh, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, hundreds of stories, uh, but one of my favorites was, uh, one of my first interviews I did, uh, it wasn't my first, wasn't my second, maybe my third or fourth was with uh, Davy Jones from the Monkees. Oh, amazing. And he was here in Peterborough and he was playing yeah. down at Little Lake. And uh, me and a buddy of mine, we just thought, why not? We called the Holiday Inn. We asked for Davy Jones' room and they said, Are, is he expecting you? And we said, yeah. And they just patched us through and there he was on the phone. So... We, uh, so yeah, so we, 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 we said, yeah, we'd like to do an interview with you. And he said, sure, you know, come down to, uh, you know, come down to the park tonight and ask for my manager, my wrote, you know, my assistant. So we went down there and of course there was a little bit of a hub, 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 love because, you know, people yeah. that weren't expecting us and, uh, you know, the security right. and egos and, uh, who are used and, and I was not established at all at this point. I'm just starting out. Right. So anyways, once we finally get to the right people and uh the manager lets me into the trailer and we walk in and there's davy jones and he's sitting on the bench and he's a small little guy like super small little guy he's wearing a silver shirt and absolutely no pants (laughs) he's just wearing these really tight like one of those like red red briefs but it's more like a cock sock type thing oh, okay yeah yeah. so we walk in there and he's like oh hello guys come on sit down sit down he's patting the seat next to him right so what do i right. do and of course me and my buddy my buddy is a guy named Vern pickford and we're still good friends we walked in and the first thing we do is uh we um we look right at his unit right like i mean you yeah, walk yeah, in like yeah, you just read it and on there. his yeah. right right it, and on his lap was a folder. I remember this. It was a folder with Spider-Man on it. And of course, me going right to the, you know, going going right, 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 right being sometimes the, the books and all that stuff, be, yeah. yeah, 
I'm like, oh shit, that's a Steve Ditko drawing of Spider-Man. Like I identify right, right now. Yeah. But he like sit down, sit down. So I sit down next to him. My buddy sits across the room. And uh, he's like, oh, and, he, and we just start kind of shooting the shit, you know, like talking about soccer because uh, there was a soccer match that day and he was really into right. soccer. And, and he says, well, come. Yeah, you guys are cool. Come and meet us for breakfast tomorrow morning at the Holiday Inn. Come, come to the, the buffet. We're buying. So I'm walking out and one of his band members says to me, he's like, yeah, you know what? He did that on purpose to see if you guys were cool. <laughs> So I was going to ask, like, what was your first, what was the first thought going to your head, going into your head, walking in there and being like, I'll tell you, it was how, how, (laughs) I will tell you, it was how small his legs were. His legs were so (laughs) tiny and thin and it just like, I I don't know how you could, he could stand on them, that that was it. But yeah, apparently it was a test to see how we'd react if we were worth talking to. And I just rolled with the punches, man amazing that's that's the, yeah. that's all you can do in those situations just go like okay yeah. it's gonna be a good story let's, let's let's go from here it was and you know it really helped me establish myself because once i had about four or five major celebrity interviews uh uh underneath my belt and you can start sending that to agents and managers i had a great mentor who worked in the business in la you know they see what you've done and they see the quality of your work and the respect that you do and if right. you stay like you know on the positive and whatever you know, people will talk to you and uh, yeah. yeah, you just kind of got to build, you know, it, it's just like everything is just, just build up uh, that, uh, that thing. And yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I mean, there's lots of great stories, but I, I think that's one of the, the real fun ones. That's, so. that's, that's definitely a good one. I now, definitely like, have some, he, when he was, I, pl- I definitely have oh, some stories ahead. that I'm, I'm I, I definitely have some stories that I'm sitting on and tell people, certain people die. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> probably yeah so you don't get a phone call being like uh ah, cease and desist yeah 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 <laughs> i was just saying i had a story about yeah he was playing festival of lights yeah uh, was he with the monkeys or was he just by himself or like what no, was, was just, that what was that deal he was just he was just by himself yeah. and i'll tell you something interesting about davy's connection to peterborough i remember we were sitting there uh after breakfast and we were sitting out by little lake and he was just just love he, he just loved he loved being in Peterborough. He crashed a wedding the night before and he um his band didn't have to be anywhere for a few days, so he decided just to stay right. in Peterborough for a couple of days. Just hang out. And yeah, just to hang out. And he was sitting at we were sitting by Little Lake and he's looking over Little Lake and he says, You know, he says, I don't believe in heaven because this is heaven on earth. And he said, Someday I'm going to come back here. And a couple of years later. He did come back. Amazing. And That's I think awesome. about a year after a year after that he died. So yeah. he he really loved that. He he was really and yeah, and he really was a here. he he liked it and he was he was look I've met all types man I've met some good people some bad people some annoying people some crazy people but David Jones was one of the best just flat That's out awesome. one of the best and uh, it, what you saw on TV was exactly who he was yeah. Yeah, he was he was he was great great guy. I absolutely love hearing that. Yeah, you hear so many horror stories, but like coming down yeah. to it, you know, so many celebrities either a get a bad rap or b are amazing people, and they're just you know, they're just and that's chill. exactly they're, they're it. Just, they're just one of the people. Eh? I also find I have I've had some pure positive experiences with people that you would think were horror stories. Why mm-hmm. I've had some lousy experiences with people that you think would be really great. So. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, everybody has know. a bad day to a point and, and yeah, you never yeah. know the interaction that you're going to have on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, that's awesome. But man. you know, you, you bring up a point that I think a lot about mm-hmm. is that have you ever noticed that the perception you put out to people, like it is so like people, people could meet you a hundred times and yeah. you could have like a hundred great experiences with somebody. But the moment you have that one bad experience, even if there's been a hundred great ones, that's it. You, that's the one that people are going to pick at, even if they it's not even to. your best face. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've, and I've lost some op- I've lost some huge opportunities because I was behaving badly or because my ego got ahead of me or because right. I was being competitive or, or whatever. And, uh, because, you know, people saw that, that side of me, you know, I've, I've lost, I've lost huge opportunities. Thankfully I've, I've, which, which teaches you to be gracious, to be uh, positive, to not be an asshole. And then you get better opportunities and you get more of them. So that's that's the perfect point because i i i went through that journey myself mm-hmm. um my when i when i got to when i had my second record deal and, and my mm-hmm. last record came out in 2014 i my ego was super inflated even though like i was still nice to people but i was just acting like i was better than what i was and it sure. had to be a huge come down to earth moment for me when the cd didn't do well and I, you know, ended up working a day job and, and moving around. And, and then when I came back to Peterborough and started playing music again, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to do this different. I'm going to like, yeah. I just want to treat people nicely. I want to be humble, you know, and I've just instilled that into myself over the last few years. And yeah, so many more opportunities have come my way and, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful and, and, you know, gracious about all of them. It's just, it's, it's a learning process that I think even anybody that's in their early twenties is going to have, they go through, you know, you, you think you got the world sure. figured out and you, you, just, you don't know jack shit. Well, let me, let me tell <laughs> you, lost. I think I was, I was, I was in my forties before I started learning that. Yeah. And it, 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 it's excusable when you're in your twenties, but when you're in your forties, yeah. it's not so cute. And uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of ended pop culture addict because my, my ego uh, got so huge and so unrealistic and my competitive man i used to be i used to be a very competitive person and i've written on my website actually about uh about, about that about you know like you know you, you of course you know you know the local dj gord gibb yes yeah uh, yeah gord gibb one time gave me a piece of advice he heard me uh, he heard me yammering at a uh, about a about a competitor and mm-hmm. he said he he said he gave me a piece of advice he said you know in media everybody has can have a piece of the pie and you don't need to play be nasty you don't need to play uh play play mean and uh that your audience isn't necessarily someone else's audience right so you're not competing the people who are someone else's audience they're not going to read your stuff anyways the people who, who who are with you isn't going you know and and i like to use the example as the difference between the new yorker and the buzzfeed and buzzfeed right like I, I I'm I, I love the New Yorker. It's one of my favorite magazines. I I, I block any BuzzFeed thing that comes up on my social media, right. right? But the people that are reading BuzzFeed aren't necessarily uh, reading the New Yorker. But the information can cross over to both. They they have their own way of reporting the same stuff, the Dang. same subject. Right. 
you know, and there's room, yeah. there's room for everything. And, and I, I find that in Peterborough, like, as I said, uh, getting over my ego and getting over my competitiveness is one of the healthiest things I ever did. And, and I think that's when things got better. And, you know, I, I definitely am experiencing it now that I've started my own brand and, and to yeah. have people willing to still work with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and that's, it's kind of the key. And it's amazing to be able to see that and realize how much of a positive it is if you're if you're trying to be positive with everybody else it doesn't need to be a competition Mm -hmm. i was talking with um actually matt teed who was on the uh one of the prior podcasts um Mm -hmm. one of our writing sessions uh myself him and uh a a young country artist named jessica soul uh who's amazing um she we were all talking about music and and uh and they were talking about it being a competition and i went well Mm. it's not really a comp like it is a competition say if you're in a contest or something like that that that's one thing but generally like if you write good songs and promote your brand well and put out good content you're not necessarily in competition with other artists like when was the last time you put on your spotify and just listened to one artist and one artist only and they're no, like, exactly. oh, well, exactly. yeah, you make a point. I'm like, there's there's a piece, there's room for all of us. If someone likes country music, they generally like country music. If someone likes rock music, they like rock music. And then yeah. you have people like, I'm sure you and myself, who like all types of music. <laughs> so all types of music, which is true. Like, yeah, you look at my exactly. Spotify list or my record collection, it, it, it's bananas how much yeah. crossover I have. You know, it's funny. Yeah. When you think about the competition with musicians, I mean, that was uh that was such a thing that they did in the teen magazines back in the day to you know make these right. fake rivalries like uh, the Beatles and the Stones, you know yeah. did you like the Beatles and the Stones? But they were hanging out and working together, you know Tiffany exactly. and Debbie Gibson apparently didn't like each other, but they did, you know like right. that was uh that you know it was drama made for publicity more than anything, so exactly. yeah, there's no sense. Yeah. yeah, now I mean it's fair we can truly not like somebody's work like there's certain oh, musicians yes. even locally that i that wouldn't walk across the street to see but i would never right. go but i would never go online and say it you know what i mean i would never you know try to yeah, uh even even though i have like a reputation where i worked as a reviewer for years man it's a it's a dirty job and uh i always i had a philosophy why and this was when i was doing theater reviews i had a philosophy why kick the crap out of a, a show and have people not go and see it? Like, what right do I have? I'm just one guy, you know? Right. And I didn't see the sense in that. No, I mean, I saw a few shows that were, like I saw one or two shows that were so flaming and off, flaming awful. I had to because I, I, I didn't right. want people to go see them, you know? Yeah. But no, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but that goes with everything. Save, I mean, save them from it. <laughs> save them from oh, it. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, um, but, but, you know, I think that was one of the problems. I'll never, uh, I, I, I'm now a, a reformed reviewer. I'll never review again. It is such a dirty job. It is such a dirty I job. I don't think I'd be able to do it, man. I, I, it's one of those yeah. things where like, I have a hard enough time being, you know, mean to be <laughs> mean to people and, <laughs> and having, or not, but like being critical, I always sure. want to, I have this thing where, you know, I try to build people up at least, you know, Me too. I think everybody has work to do on on whatever projects and, and if something's not very good obviously it's not very good but you know there, i think there's sometimes positives you can generally take to try and help them out but yeah uh reviewing Definitely. on my end would that's i don't think it's not something i'm cut out for <laughs> no and, and you know what i don't think i was either 
So, uh, you know, I like doing what I'm doing now, which is a lot of profile work and uh, trying to find people that are have interesting stories to tell and uh, uh, put that out in the universe. And and I I have a much more spiritual, uh, much more spiritual way of feeling about that, uh, which actually came came during COVID, which sort of changed uh, the way I write and 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 the subjects I pick and uh, um it, it I've, I've tried to write a bit before but it's so hard to explain but uh just like for like the theater and the music and the live performances uh COVID was pretty pretty uh, hard for me too because all of yeah. a sudden I couldn't go and connect with people and and all the entertainment venues were shut down and I didn't have anything to write and I was pretty lost and I was looking for a more powerful, a different narrative anyway. Like I, I really right. wanted to go in different directions. And I tried to write some of my, my own stories and I just wasn't ready yet because I find that when you write your own stories, you have to tread a line between talking about all the really cool stuff you did and not being self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, you got to find a balance, and I have not found that balance yet. Usually, I'm just saying I'm yeah. I was a yeah. fucking god, or I'm saying yeah. everybody was mean to me and I was sad. Like these yeah. are literally, <laughs> I'm not finding the balance. And I, yeah, you know, it's like saying that, like it's like saying well, I, 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 you know, looks wise, I'm somewhere between like uh, um, um, a Chippendale model and a burn victim. You know, it's like somewhere in that gray area, right? So, so I remember, um, I'm looking for, I hated everything I was writing. I was trying too hard. I was uninspired. And, uh, I remember I was really upset and I started doing a lot of physical fitness at the time. I lost quite a Mm -hmm. bit of weight because I was really scared of, uh, sitting in front of the couch and eating Cheetos all day and getting fat, like all the memes were saying where we're going to. Yeah. And it, and it kept my brain working. And uh, I remember I was charging around East city. I was so depressed. I was so sad. I was frantic. I'm so upset. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like I'm a writer who doesn't write. That's now what I am. And uh, I think Craig Cardiff talks about the poets that are so hip. They don't even write poems in one of his songs. Like that's <laughs> yeah. literally how I felt, you know? And right. all of a sudden I had this flash. It was like, a voice from somewhere and I'm not an overly religious person, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like an epiphany. It was like something was literally speaking to me and it said, you know, in every society at every time, there's always been the storytellers, the, 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 the hunters around the campfire, the poets, the muses, the uh, jesters, the, um, you know, the novelists, everything. Yeah. The bards, right? Like there's always the journalists. There's always been the storytellers. And what your talent has always been, has been able to sit down and talk to people and get them in a point, like create an atmosphere and and really listen and really figure out what the story is and have them talk to you, have them really open up. And I mean, right from celebrities to... small business owners to you know just anybody i can find the story and people and then what i can do is i can go and weave that those quotes weave that story into something that makes those people interesting that can put it out there and even if you're not interested i've had i've I've had many people say i wasn't interested in this person but 
you made me want to like listen every album they made or watch every movie they've been in or go to their business or discover their writing. And I realized maybe that's what I'm, my, my path is right now is telling those stories and finding those people. It's a, it's a beautiful gift, man. Like I was just, it, yeah. honestly and sincerely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, a, I had a friend one time who really wanted me to get back into the celebrity stuff. Like I really didn't want to do it much anymore. And he said, you're the only person I know. It was a guy named, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Dolmich, great guy. Uh, and he's, he, he was barbecuing in the backyard. He was a neighbor and he said, you're the only guy I know who can just get on the phone and get on, like, just, you want to talk to somebody famous. You can go send some emails and be on the phone with somebody from happy days within a day. You right. know, like the old, why aren't you doing that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's, but the human connection and, and getting people working with people, it's all a collaboration, man. You know, yeah. down to the photographers I work with, to the people that tell me their stories, to the, the people who edit the work. It's, it's, it's a different type of creative collaboration, but it's great. So it's, yeah. it's, it's so needed. I think that people spend so much time putting a lot of celebrities or musicians, everything down and not building them mm -hmm. up as we should be. And, uh, and being able to sit down with yeah the people that you are able to sit down with and you have that reach to be able to talk to sure. and weaving those stories is, is really something that needs to happen nowadays <laughs> because me, I don't feel me, like we're getting out you, of it. it. It's funny that you said that. I, I want to share with you uh, one of the greatest pieces of advice that was ever given to me by someone. Um, there's a couple of people that celebrities, strange celebrities that gave me advice along the way. I don't always share it because I don't want it to, uh, sometimes it's my, 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 uh, my craft secret, right? But this right. one yeah. is not, this one is something maybe everybody needs to know. So when I first started going and this was like early two thousands, everything on the internet was all extremely cynical, just dripping yeah. of cynicism. And that seemed to be the way you wanted to go. If you wanted to create a career, you had to be deeply cynical. And I had booked an interview with one of my absolute favorite musicians and performers and movie stars, and he's done everything, Paul Williams. You know Paul Williams? Uh, I'd probably, if I knew, if I saw a picture, well, let, 100%. Let me tell you who Paul Williams is. Yeah. Paul Williams was a, most famous for a songwriter. He wrote songs like uh, You and Me Against the World, We've Only Just Begun, uh, oh okay yeah uh, Muppet uh, he wrote uh, Rainbow Connection for uh, mm -hmm. Kermit the Frog uh, he won his Oscar for mm -hmm. um, writing uh, Evergreen for Barbara Streisand right. uh, a lot of stuff yeah, for amazing Three Dog writer. Night amazing writer but yeah. one of my all time favorite movies is a movie called Phantom of the Paradise and okay. he was the star of that movie and he wrote the soundtrack and performed it and it was just a big deal He's also the president of ASCAP. So, which, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So I, I booked an interview with him, and it was to be the same week that Britney Spears had the meltdown and shaved her head. Oh, okay. So I did this little thing on my website where I said, can you spot the idiot? And I put like a, a little collage of famous bald people, and I had Britney kind of in the middle of it, right? 
And yeah. Paul sees it and he, he writes me and he cancels the interview. He writes me and he says, you know, I'm looking at what you put out there in the world and you're just trash. Like you're just as bad as the tabloid trash. He says, why would you take a woman who is obviously distressed, obviously having a bad time in life. And instead of knowing what her real life is, because she's, she may be your celebrity, but she's like a real human being that has something happening, something seriously bad yeah, going, on. going on there. I don't know what it is, but, but he, he's, he's like a, a survivor of like uh, uh, cocaine addiction and uh, alcohol. And he, he talks openly about it. Like something's going on. And instead of taking the high road and treating her like a human being, you're just kicking her to the curb like everybody else. And I don't want to be a part of that. Well, that was, at first I was really mad. But yeah. then when I started really thinking about it and thinking about how these celebrities, and I, I've seen that more and more and more. Is that I was pretty new, right? I was still pretty green. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started approaching everybody with a human aspect and love and kindness, no matter what they've done or who they are and opportunities started coming out coming coming out of the blue about 10 uh, eight or nine years later i wrote paul williams again and i said you know you told me this and it and i listened and it changed my life and it made my career would you do an interview now and he's like yeah, i don't remember this at all but <laughs> yeah i will <laughs> had no yeah, idea sure. But, but but he was like he reached out and we we had a lovely conversation about positivity and about the power of, uh, of of that and then about a year later he said to me he said you know if you ever um if i'm ever doing a show anywhere near you let me know and i'll you know let me know i'd love to meet you so a, a year went by and uh he was doing a show in niagara falls and uh i got a hold of him it was sold out and i got a hold of him and me and him, he had just won a, a, a Grammy Award for a collaboration with, um, I want to say Arcade Fire, but it wasn't Arcade Fire. Um, it doesn't matter, but but like a band, like I, yeah. I don't remember yeah. who it was. Something like that. But he mm -hmm. just had done, a, yeah, won a, won a Grammy. And uh, um, yeah, he got me and my buddy like tickets and uh we hung out afterwards in his dressing room and had a great visit and whatever and and he was cool he was the only musician i've ever seen where at the end of his concert he actually it was like in a nightclub type thing he actually stood right. at the door and as people were leaving he did a receiving line oh and he actually wow, thanked awesome. every single person in the audience for coming and women yeah. were falling in his <laughs> arms crying and it was like yeah but his music is very emotional. And I got to admit through some of the harder times I've leaned on his music and then, you know, think like, what a great man, what a man who changed my life, you know, by saying yeah. we're, we're, we're real. We have pains and, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, and it, it brings up another point too, of like how often something said in passing can change someone else's perspective or just change oh, someone sure. else's complete trajectory right like you know well, yeah. him saying he didn't he didn't remember that but and then i'm sure you probably kind of got into it a little bit more with him but uh mm -hmm. in at a later time but just that simple fact that like him having that wherewithal to be like i'm not gonna this person isn't doing what 
I, you know, something that I, I completely agree with or, or believe in mm-hmm. and needs to have a little more empathy Yeah, and let you know that, you know, that changed kind of everything. So what it a, changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was it a great, shows... it was a great lesson. One yeah. thing I've learned is that you, everybody has wisdom and sometimes you just got to keep your mind open and listen to the people. Like I, I will tell you the greatest piece of advice I ever got that changed my career it's a big part of my success. I will not tell you what the advice was, was uh, by WWF wrestler King Kong Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a wrestling guy. Uh, right, right. And he gave me a piece of advice. I, I wouldn't, I don't watch wrestling. I don't know anything about wrestling. I met this guy. Yeah. He gave me a piece of advice. It changed everything. And I learned, wow, who would have thought that? So sometimes it's yeah. about, you know, listening and, and, and picking up on the right, the right, these you know, you put yourself in the public sphere and right. even on a local scene, mm-hmm. you, you live, you live a little bit, you gain knowledge and, and, yeah. and people that are looking for knowledge needs to, needs to look, sometimes needs to look towards the people that have put themselves out in the public in some way. So there's, yeah. there's always, if you, I, I always like getting advice or constructive criticism, even if it's told to me in a negative way because i can look at that and go okay is there actually some criticism here or is there actually something i can change but uh one of the best uh i can't remember the exact quote but it was basically Mm -hmm. even if you think someone is less successful than you if the advice still has a point to it or if it still stands up when you actually look internally at it then don't ignore it (laughs) You know, exactly. just because that person might not be as successful as you doesn't mean that uh, it's not worth something. So exactly. Yeah. That's great. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So well, playing music wise, my, my favorite thing that I think to myself to keep myself grounded is um, you're not as great as your best show and you're not as bad as your worst show. And so knowing that you always try and live somewhere in between, you know, you have those days, especially as a performer for myself, like, and I'm sure you as a writer where maybe mm-hmm. you put something out that's like, Oh, that wasn't my best work. You know, I'm All shit. I'm terrible or something like that. All the and time. Then, or, you know, you put something out that does really well and you're like, I'm the fucking best. <laughs> I'm the greatest. <laughs> you got to keep yourself grounded. You got to keep yourself in the middle there somewhere. I remember, I remember the time where I had a piece featured in the, the New Yorker and, uh, and when I say featured, it wasn't, it wasn't my piece wasn't printed in the New Yorker, but what it was, was a guy that was writing an article about a film that I had intensely researched and wrote about basically was like, I can't justify what this guy did. Don't, I'm not going to steal his research. Just go and read this article. Right. Like, and, and, and like quoted, yeah. you know, basically talked about my article and then told people from the New Yorker to, uh, to go and then they linked it on the New Yorker website as well. And then it was in the magazine and, you know, my name and my, my, my article and my information. And, and it was more right. than just a footnote. It was, uh, you know, and I remember really, I felt, yeah. wow, I felt, I felt amazing. You know, I felt great, but I, the, how I keep myself humble is um, I think I, I become a reader again and, and I read people who, uh, whose books uh, who inspire me and move me and think, my God, if I could craft a sentence like them, uh, people like Tony Morrison or uh, Truman Capote, um, John Steinbeck. And I think, man, if I could just craft 
a sentence, just one sentence like them, I, I don't know what I would do. Meanwhile, I also during the pandemic read Ben Hur, and I thought, what a friggin' mess of a book! I could everything. I I I, I, I might not be as good as world creation, but uh, right. wow, his narrative structure is awful. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, maybe I still have a little like Twilight for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I it, the it, so being a part of Against the Wind, uh, this Bob yeah. Seger tribute band that I've I've just joined has been sure. as a writer one of the most humbling experiences because I'm looking at these Bob Seger songs and I'm going through all his interviews and I'm deep diving him and all this kind of stuff and it's like he just wrote so many damn good songs and uh and he was the first one to say that like you know he'd write one good one for every 10 like shit ones that that he put it or that he had but but that's all he did was just write 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 write. and so just write and i mean i've heard somebody say and i don't know if it was somebody who said this to me one of the people i've interviewed or where it was but they said you know if you just got one song on the billboard charts you just got one song like that's incredible. But if you got five, like that's something different. That's something different. We can't all be the Beatles. Yeah. We can't all have 50 songs on the billboard chart. Right. But if right. you can just get one, but you know, think, of the, <laughs> I think of when I think about that with the Beatles, I think about how um, the Beatles, uh, Paul McCartney wrote a song called world without love and he brought it to John and uh, John was like, that's a piece of shit. I don't want to record that. So Paul was, uh, I don't know what Paul was doing. He was living at his girlfriend's dad's house at the time or something like that. Of course, who, right. and, and her girl, his girlfriend, whose name escapes me, well, her kid brother was starting up a, a two-piece, him and another guy, a guy named Peter. Peter Gordon was the name of the band. And he's like, oh, Paul, do you have any advice? And he's like, I don't know. Here's a song that John doesn't want to record. See what you guys can do with it. <laughs> The song became a huge hit. I think it knocked the Beatles off the right. charts, right? But, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. like literally the only hit those guys had, right? Like, because it was Paul's yeah. throwaway. Yeah. You know, throwaway songs that some of these people have, like stuff that well, Bob Dylan's sitting on that he would never record. Exactly. Like, so he, Bob Seger said the, the worst financial mistake of his life was uh, he didn't take the full royalties for um, old-time rock and roll, which was actually... Wow another band's song in detroit Mm -hmm. uh that he rewrote parts but he never thought it would be anything it was just a throw on on the record and so he only took i think like a 20 percent cut or something like that when he could have taken like 80 or 90 and uh his agent was like what are you doing and he's like ah it's not going to be anything anyway don't worry about it (laughs) and lo and behold it's it's also so none of your your, none of your podcast people are yelling at me but i just remember it was jane asher was paul's girlfriend peter asher was the name of his her brother who was from here okay okay yeah just get out there you ever you ever listen to a podcast and somebody can't remember a factoid and you're screaming at them yeah damn it it's jane asher man you're so stupid you know like yeah (laughs) 100 percent, and then i just go google it afterwards or something like that yeah, i'm like, oh, i'm not oh, the greatest oh. for names and faces i'm i work on it i do my best but uh though my bandwidth is uh sometimes a little sporadic so okay <laughs> I, right. I do what yeah. i can i but, find uh, in my old so, i used to i used to go fast with it but in my old age uh, it takes me a few more minutes to come up with these i got yeah. so many names of actors and musicians and and 
fictional characters stored up in my brain. It's hard to get some of the more obscure yeah. ones to the front sometimes. Yeah. My dad used to play a game with me when I was a kid in the car. We would he would put on the radio and he'd have me name like the song and the album, um, and the singer and all that stuff from the bands that were coming on. So I was like boom, awesome. boom 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 for for yeah, trivia for a long time. And now, yeah, now getting a little bit older and that stuff, I just feel yeah. it. Uh, you know killed what a couple a brain cells in my prior prior years. But what a great thing! To, <laughs> what a great thing to play with your dad. What yeah. a great thing yeah, to it's, play it's with one of my favorite dad. memories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was always like he was always pushing. Um, but you know, my my mom, mom and that side of the family were all country musicians or country mm-hmm. people, and and he was very much rock. And he's like, "You're gonna know rock music." <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it was. It it's kind of funny. A great game it's, for us. Yeah, it's the exact opposite with my dad. My dad only listened to country, and I thought, and mm-hmm. I was into uh, as a little kid getting into music for the first time. I was listening to stuff like uh, I was I was a big Prince fan. And uh, yeah. I was listening to uh, Duran Duran or, uh, um, I, you know, Michael Jackson. I mean, I, I cannot yeah. express the power that that album Thriller had when it first came out. Right. My dad was all country and I was like, Dad, your, your music's the worst. It's just the worst. Like, my God, like, it, it's the worst. Like, what are you doing? And it, there would be battles over it. And now I find in my 40s, I'm listening to a hell of a lot of country. Yeah. And I'm also loving the music my dad listened to and mm-hmm. certain artists and certain songs will trigger those memories. And for, for instance, my dad used to listen to this guy, Red Savine, and I can't go buy a Red Savine album, and not buy it. I have to own it no. because it triggers yeah. that memory of like going on car roads and having to listen to this stuff. And um, I remember my dad, uh, like it's, it's kind of hilarious. And my brother, my brother was a big country guy too. And I remember being in high school and listening to like The Doors and Elvis Costello and Kate Bush, Susan the Banshees. And I was just going, my God, Jamie, like, why are you listening to this Garth Brooks shit? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're such an ass. But, you know, earlier this year, me and my mom sat down and we watched like a two part, four hour documentary on Garth Brooks. And the next day I'm at work listening to Garth Brooks on Spotify. And I'm like, wait. What's Did, was my brother <laughs> was my brother in on something earlier than I was, yeah. or I don't think he was. I still don't right. think he was, but but you know what I mean. You you start like the right now my top artist, the one that I'm listening to the most. I've become most obsessed with because I I become obsessed with different musicians. Yeah, through different course. periods is uh I'm really into Bobby Gentry right now. I don't know if you know Bobby okay. Gentry. Uh, I she was don't, a, but I'll definitely. Gotta check her out. Delta Country Blues from about uh, she did a song called uh, "Ode to Billy Joe," back Mm -hmm. came out I think it's sixty sixty eight, and by nineteen eighty she just turned away and walked out on the country music scene, walked out on the music scene altogether, and she's really becoming uh, super. Like uh, Taylor Swift just wrote a song about her recently, and um, her yeah, I'm starting to see her stuff peaking all over the Start place like on podcasts yeah. and and i've just right. become obsessed tim at blue streak says he, he used to have her albums for like six bucks for yeah, sale no and no you can't you can't get them now i can't, can't find them anywhere them. yeah no matter where i go looking for records in ontario i can't find them so you can't find them right that's yeah and your your collection by the way in the in the back is absolutely Whoa. massive i'm i'm good i'm <laughs> drooling a little bit over here <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, 20, 2300 albums and counting 
that's, that's a lot of a lot of days i wake up i wake up in the morning and i think to myself where can i buy records today that that is literally yeah. the the first thing that i think when when, when my hit my my uh my, my feet hit the ground yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh, and and what's so what's like one of the more obscure albums that you think that you're kind of proud of like what's one that uh you know maybe it's a little more rare or something like that well but... let me um there was a there was a pop band in the 1970s. It was a bubble bubblegum band called the Hardy Boys. And okay. what it was is back in the 70s, Filmation would uh, which was a cartoon company would like make cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons and then they would have like a song at the end and they would put out an album with, you know, these songs from the cartoon series. So they had made a Hardy Boys cartoon. But what the shtick was is they'd actually created a band and they animated the characters to look like the band so uh -huh. they could send the band out on tour. And they would play their... Brilliant. But they played they played the music in the studio so they could play it on concert. Yeah. The reason was well, is that previously... Yeah, yeah uh, a year earlier, they had a huge hit with Sugar Sugar by the Archies, but they couldn't send mm -hmm. the Archies out because they didn't right. look like the characters, right? Yeah. So anyways, this Hardy Boys thing went nowhere. But I did a, a deep dive on the Hardy Boys. I don't even know how I found out about it. But you just do one of those YouTube wormholes you go down at four yeah. in the morning. And I did a bunch of research and I tracked down all the members of this group over about a 10-year period. They didn't even know where they were. There was rumors that certain members were dead. I found them all. Right. And uh, eventually, the the guy, this guy Jeff Taylor, who used to be in a band called The Messengers, out of uh, in was uh, out of uh, Milwaukee, um, who was the first white band to be signed to Motown. Um, okay. He yeah. okay, yeah. he um, he was the lead singer of the band. Well, he had the original acetates to the albums, and right. he sent right. me the, he sent them to me. So I actually I had the original acetates to these Hardy Boy albums that came out. And uh, every now and then, like, I'll be on the internet and on record groups and people will put a Hardy Boys album up. Oh, look, you know, it's the Hardy Boys because, pe you know, got, yeah. people know it. it. You know, if you go, if you get that obscure and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, you think right, that's right, impressive. Right. I got I got the acetates, <laughs> you know, like, look at these. Look at you this. Know. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think that's the. In my mind, it's the coolest thing I have. You know, like it's oh, yeah, it's awesome. not the original acetate of um, Dark Side of the Moon, but you know, no, it's but it's still super, it's still super cool and obscure, and you can yeah, it's yeah, uh, and obviously something you're proud of. You put in the work to be able to go and get that. You know, it's yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you went and found it. Yeah. So what um, got you into what got you into the record collecting? Like what brought you there was that something i know that i came from the cd generation so mm -hmm. unfortunately I, I came into records later on but was that something that like was always kind of your thing or or was it uh, well well i mean kinda... i mean i i kind of i kind of went in and out i've collected so many different things over the years i've been parts of yeah. so many different fandom and uh but there, there yeah there is definitely a record origin story so when we were growing up uh my mom like my family loved music uh, they weren't music fans per se as me and you are, but they liked listening. Dad, dad went to a couple concerts. My mom, being a little more frugal, uh, not saying she doesn't love to shop, she sure does, but uh, she believed that if music was on the radio, you didn't have to buy it. Okay, 
Okay. And although I did have some kids records and if, um, yeah, so you, you listen to the radio, you didn't buy records. So the only records we had growing up as kids were these records. They weren't my mom's records. They were actually records that were owned by her, her older sisters. And they were from, uh, you know, from the mid early to mid 1960s, very um, like white kid music, nothing to um, <laughs> nothing to uh, nothing racy, uh, nothing, nothing. Like, yeah, nothing you know, too radical. Like they weren't listening, yeah. yeah, they weren't listening to the Doors or Jimi Hendrix or anything like that. Like right. an airplane, they weren't. But it was uh, and I, I can still tell you what, what 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 they had. OK, I can still do this. It was Leslie Gore's greatest hits. Gene Pitney's Town Without Pity, Gene Pitney's uh, 24 Hours from Tulsa, Herman's Hermits on Tour, the best of Herman's Hermits, um, an album by Richard Chamberlain, uh, Rick Nelson's uh, Love from Rick, and uh, there was a, there was a Frankie Avalon's Greatest Hits in there. So these were the only records we had. Oh, and then my dad had some country music albums, but we never listened to those. Right, but you and, and, those anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- these are what these were the only pop albums I had, and uh, I loved them. Like I loved looking at the covers. I loved uh, putting them on. And I mean, I was the only kid in the third grade listening to Gene Pitney and Leslie Gore. Let me tell you, to who, right, by yeah, the way, yeah. I still still love to this day. I can I can yeah. sing every single song off the Golden Hits of Leslie Gore. I can sing every song. To this day, from that album, I was, I was gonna say uh, you just listed all those right off the top of your head. So I'm like, they've, well, they've definitely left an imprint on you. <laughs> they, well, that Richard Chamberlain one's pretty bad, but anyway, yeah. Um, and then um, I remember one time my mom bringing home like a popsicle box full of 45s, and she brought it home from like a, a white elephant sale or a women's legion sale or something, and she brought them home and. And uh, was, hey, you know, we should listen to these records together. And, of course, I was like this cynical little cocky kid that didn't want to hang out with his mom. But once he pulled out the records and started putting them on, like, there was some pretty cool stuff there. And one of the records that was in there was Lola by the Kinks. And I remember I was probably in grade six or seven. But I remember my my mom ruled the day I brought that home because I just played that album over and over. Not the album. It was just the 45. So just that song. Right, there's no over songs, and yeah. over and over again. I remember sitting in the dining room where their record player was, and I would just sit there for hours playing all these 45s and uh, just trying to discover new music that way. And uh, I think somewhere along the way, like I, I hit the bug. Music was always a big deal to me. I was following it as early as I can remember. Like, honestly, man, I can remember the first song I fell in love with was, Ma- was Macho Man by the Village People. And which was a hit on the radio. I was yeah, about, massive, I did, massive. Yeah, I did the math. I was three years old. I did the math, oh, and my yeah. I could sing the chorus because it was so easy. And my, my parents would yeah. bring me out and make me perform for the the the, the relatives and the, right. the friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it would be a big laugh. Yeah, right? definitely. And they bought me the record. They bought me the T-shirt. You know, I loved the Village People. I, I met them later on. Actually, I've actually met the Village People and uh, worked with them at a gig a concert. I, I worked. Uh, uh that's the tent like the tent at a music festival one time they were performing right and great bunch of guys but but uh you know from there but i remember specifically village people agreed in the third you know at the age of three and i've just been following music ever since like it just 
I was listening to Prince when I was uh, in the third grade. You know, I don't know what most yeah. third graders are listening to, but I was listening to, you know, I was already into Prince, you know, and uh, I, Bowie. Yeah, I had a know? very similar, yeah, very yeah. similar upbringing that way, like, because my dad was very eclectic when it came to uh-huh. music. So therefore, I was eclectic. And yeah, Bowie, you know, Church on Time is one of the songs that I remember listening to over and over again when I was a kid. Um, like Midnight Oil, Midnight Oil, James, uh, or sorry, Jay Giles band, sure, sure. Um, Teenage Head, like my dad, mm-hmm. the Monks, like my dad listened to yeah. when he was, you know, at his time in the 70s, like he listened to the obscure music. And then I was listening to all this stuff instead of the Backstreet Boys and all that <laughs> stuff. When I was young, it was like, yeah, yeah, sticks. I remember. <laughs> I remember the first time. <laughs> I remember the first time that I completely went into a different direction than my friends when it came to music. Was yeah. uh, uh, Bon Jovi was huge. They came out with Slippery When Wet, and it was a big album. Right. And I wasn't my thing. It wasn't my mm-hmm. thing. I was listening to the Monkees, I think, because the Monkees had a resurgence of popularity right around the same time. And yeah. uh, but I remember. Uh, my cousin had MTV. He had a satellite dish and you could get MTV from the U S and I, I can't express to kids that didn't people who didn't grow up in the eighties, how huge MTV was. Yeah. I, I, it, it was such, such a big deal. And uh, we didn't even have MTV in Canada and, but we were feeling the overflow. And I remember uh, one summer being at my cousin's place and we were watching uh, videos all night and uh, Kate Bush came out with the sensual world. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. It moved me in every way, musically, physically, sexually. I was probably about, I think it was a summer between grade eight and nine. And I remember Mm -hmm. asking my aunt, I got my aunt to drive me to the mall the next day. I had to buy it. I remember coming back to Peterborough and going to one of my buddies' house and go, you need to listen to this tape. It's it's the best tape you've ever heard. It's like music you've never heard before. I slap it in and he is so bored. He's not getting, he's like, yeah, let's just, let's just listen to Guns, Guns N' Roses. And it was like, okay. I, yeah, no no yeah. class, no class. Yeah. I, I guess that's when I knew, you know, I was going down. A, yeah. I was a music fan, you know, and that's when I kind of knew right. I, 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 it's something completely different. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, so. there's something that always like, whenever I, I'm explaining my love or the visceral mm-hmm. reaction, I get to music to people and, and some people just don't get that it always baffles me. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have a song that like, you know, reminds you of this time in fourth grade or this breakup or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I just don't listen to music like that. I'm like, what? How wow. is that even, that doesn't compute with me. That doesn't, <laughs> me either. I, I me either ima- because... Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine it. I can pinpoint what year things happened based on what was on the radio or what yeah. was the song. Yeah. Like I know, when I started my first uh, job out of university, I remember going to a training thing and all the whole way there, uh, the girls that I was in the car with just kept finding radio stations that were playing Mambo number five and they just kept going and, right. you know, and I'm like, right. which right. I hated, I hated from the moment. And everybody's like, no, it's a great song. I'm like, no, it's shit. It's like, this is a shit song. It's, it's, not it's a, good a shit. Song. And now they'll all admit it. But, but, uh, and yeah. I was very unpopular on that trip for hating that song. But, uh, but I remember, so so that means the year I graduated from university, that's when Mambo number five was. I got what year was yeah. that? Well, I look up no, what year did Mambo number five come out? I do that for so yeah. much stuff. What song do I remember at that moment in time? You know, of course, with yeah. me, I listen to so much retro music. Sometimes that doesn't work. Yeah, 
Yeah, I yeah. remember, like, I know pop radio, I can definitely, like, I remember listening or hearing Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl for the first time, and I was in my first mm-hmm. year university, and I went, oh, okay, so what year was that? Or, like, you know, Billy Talent's Try Honesty was, sure. that was one of my introductions into hard rock music. I, I, I totally get it. I can also, you know, remember the first time I heard Beat It uh, by Michael Jackson and being like, what is, th-? like, being, yeah. I was so young, I remember it was in the middle of like a, an Alvin and the Chipmunks tape. It was so strange. He, there was like a crossover, Michael Jackson, Alvin and the Chipmunks and That's beat great. it comes on right in the middle of the fuck the movie. And yeah. I was like, and it was the vi- the actual music video, you know, he's on the, he's on the pool table and everything. And I'm like, Oh, this song is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. it's, it's cool when you can remember the first time you heard an artist. Like I can tell you the first time I, I just talked about the first time I heard Kate Bush. I can tell you the mm-hmm. first time I heard The Doors. I could tell you the first time I heard uh, Meatloaf, uh, Elvis Costello, um, mm-hmm. um, The Velvet Underground, who's that are probably my favorite band of all time. Uh, I, I remember the first moment I ever, I, I'd read about them before I heard them. And right. one time I was at okay. Trend Radio and I found a cassette tape of The Velvet Underground and Nico in the lost and found well i'll tell you i maybe didn't lose it but i found it and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i'd read about them. Yeah, that was it <laughs> i read about them and i remember putting the tape in and hearing the first opening bars of sunday morning and it was like mm-hmm. i'd never uh, i remember having a spiritual reawakening to music the first time i heard um and i'm gonna sound like a friggin' cliche right now and i'm, I'm so sorry but it's true um the no. first time i ever heard uh miles davis's kind of blue i felt like i had never heard music before um i'm a massive amy winehouse freak and i remember the first time i heard her for the first time when you can remember yeah. when you heard something the first time like that's a special bond you it's have a special with relationship life. it really yeah. is and, yeah and it's it's such a i i i don't know it's it's I, you can't describe it almost because it, mm. the feelings that you get from all that stuff are just so you know meaningful special whatever it is mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I, don't know. I wouldn't change it for anything man it's uh, not at all not at all yeah and that's the thing. yeah I've... people say to me uh like and again back to the record collecting like I, i've collected a lot of stuff over the years like i was mm-hmm. in comic books for a long time i'm a covered comic book collector and right. uh different different types of items but people say what is it about the records why and i said well, the first thing is, is when you buy a record, you use it over and over and over again. It's not just something yeah. you read and you put on a shelf or you, you put in a, a collector's case and you put it into storage and you don't even breathe on it. Like you pull it out and you re-listen and re-listen and re-listen. But also yeah. when somebody comes over, you can go, hey, you got to listen to this and you can share that experience. Sometimes yeah. um, they don't get it, which happens a lot um right. sometimes like i have a really good friend who comes over here and we listen to albums together and we've had some amazing moments together where yeah. we still talk about remember that time last summer where we pulled out frank sinatra's trilogy and we just did a deep dive into it like a, a deep right. listening you know and we still laugh and we still talk about that kind of stuff but the fact that you can share you know that experience with another human being like you talk about you and your dad I mean, yeah. how many things they can you buy and you can collect that you can do that with? Yeah, Not there isn't much. A lot. There like isn't food, a lot, maybe music. Yeah, 
but but and and that's those are the two you know pillars of life food and music <laughs> that's yeah. the, the pillars of relationship right there almost yeah you know, it's, i, I it's, say the yeah, I say the the two most important things to me is 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 uh, three. Let's say three is uh, my music, my animals, and my human connections. Those three most people. That's all I need. That's all I need. Uh, maybe food, air, water, and some money. But but you know, you know yeah. that's <laughs> that that ain't necessarily going to make that's me secondary. happy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Oh, there's a difference between necessary and what makes you happy. It's <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it is funny though. Where uh, you said you wouldn't get up for world, I, I God, I can't imagine you. I, I don't know people who don't listen to music. I don't get it. Yeah. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's always been very strange to me. But uh, you know, th- and there are people that passively listen. You know, go like, oh yeah, well I'll just throw on the radio. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't have like a favorite artist? You don't have someone? Well, yeah, no, not really. Like I, you know, and it's just like. Those are the people uh, that buy connect, eggs. What do you connect to then? Yeah. <laughs> what do you connect to buy, then? How do you connect to things? Those are the people that buy Ed Sheeran on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed, I will say Ed Sheeran's first record was very good. Uh, after that, I haven't really listened to a whole hell of a lot. But um, that first record was was like, was a nice, uh, was a nice introduction. I remember listening to that for quite a bit the summer that it came out. But yeah, it's... Uh, you know, some people just use it for purely entertainment and some have mm-hmm. a deeper connection and that's exactly, you know, that's fine. It's just not how I could live my life. <laughs> no, me either. Me either. And uh, no. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I love, I love, uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've had the, I've had the chances to, to meet and, and interview a lot of my favorite, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of my heroes, uh, most right. of them, you know, most of them are dead, unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's been, uh, just communicating even if it's you know it's 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 been such an honor and such a pleasure so you know and and you've had that moment you've been able to have that that moment with them so yeah even more even more profound right yeah so well yeah that's it yeah and we're getting close to the end here so yeah i know i'm long Oh, no, no, not at all. But I think as, as you probably listened to my other podcast, you know the question that's coming. What is the most meaningful song to you that brings out the most visceral, visceral, visceral uh, if I can talk, emotional connection that you have to, to a record? Well, I, I've already brought it up, actually. And so we'll talk about it again for a second. But again, it'd be Miles, yeah. Miles Davis is Kind of Blue, which is an album. Yeah. It's the whole album. Yeah. And the whole uh, album. Yeah. The whole album and uh now i remember the first time i heard it it was like i'd heard music for the first time but um when i was younger when i was in my teens my 20s i was actually quite ill and uh i, okay. I had a mental illness and uh and i dealt with a lot of paranoia and a lot of uh anxiety depression and my head was spinning and when i was 29 years old uh i was diagnosed with a serotonin deficiency oh so, wow. okay yeah and uh it, and it was you hereditary. Need that. <laughs> yeah you right. kind of need it so i started getting you know treated right and i remember but it's the only way to explain it is that my head was continuously spinning 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 so i couldn't focus on anything and i was upset about everything and everything was right. wrong like no matter I, there was no no matter what the world was just black in fight or flight mode wrong. all the time basically i was sad all the time and i remember this morning where uh and i can still clearly remember it. i've tried to write up told people about it 
But I remember waking up one morning and I was in this, my bedroom. It was a very white room and I had this big cat named Fred. He was sleeping there out with me. And I remember the way the sun came in and I took, a, I had one of those, actually one of the guys on your podcast were mentioning how his dad had those big 300 disc. Uh, yeah. the big. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had three of those stacked up on top of each other. And I took right. uh, the remote control and I just pushed play and Miles Davis's kind of blue came on and started from the beginning. I remember lying there listening to it and watching the sun come in and on the white walls. And for the first time that I can remember, nothing was wrong. And it was like the day my brain kind of clicked and all of a sudden everything was okay. It's like the medication yeah. and the treatment started to kind of gel together. And, right. uh, and I remember that music, like the beauty of it and the powerfulness of it as I literally felt my soul knit back together for the first time since yeah. I was a child. And, and from there I started, actually I started to write and started professionally writing not long after because I could focus. Yeah. And I used to use pop um, cultures as a way to escape from my reality, but now I had the focus and the knowledge, right? right. So that's when I started writing professionally. Uh, but to this day, Miles Davis is kind of blue. It's a very healing album to me. Like if yeah. I need to calm down, or focus, or feel if I'm feeling sad, or I'm feeling whatever emotion, you know, right. If I just need to feel whatever yeah. I need to feel, no matter what emotion I need to feel, all I have to do is put that album on. Yeah, that. And it will literally, you know, it'll put me back together. It'll put me back to where I need to be as a human being to be able to, you know, do what I need to do. Yeah. And as I said, it's a bit of a, I think, a record collector joke. It's kind of like saying you like Miles Davis is kind of blues, like asking somebody, like, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? They say Stairway. Yeah. You know, like that's, it's yeah. the same kind of thing, but I'm sorry. That's unfortunately, no. that's the album that, that knit my soul back together and can still heal me. Hey, man, I catch flack for liking sticks. It's okay. <laughs> that's, you know, that's it's one of those. It's uh, who, what you like is what you like, and and music's magic, and that was obviously trust a me. There's albums I love for you, so it's, yeah. It's, there's albums that I love that people beat their head against the wall over. Like really, this like yeah. one album mm -hmm. you can find this in dollar bins at every thrift shop. Yeah. David Cassidy's Cherish, David Cassidy's right. Popstar. Right. My God, that's a good album. Mm -hmm. Nobody bought it because it was a teen pop thing. Teen pop album, yeah. Yeah, 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 but it's a it's a masterpiece. No one will ever understand it. We all like what we like, just what you said. You like Ed Sheeran, I make it. fun of him. You know, like whatever. That's all good. That's and it's all you're good. never gonna completely agree, but what you can agree on is that music's it's it's such a cross boundaries, yeah. amazing, healing, beautiful thing. And that's you know, we all love it. I remember it for the most part. I remember recently talking to an old schoolmate of mine who was expressing her love for Celine Dion, mm -hmm. which wasn't something I could relate to, but her passion for this woman was so real and it yeah. was so spot on that I, maybe I didn't get it, but I respected right. and I felt her passion for that singer was beautiful. And, and that's what it is. Maybe I, you know, we don't always have to agree, but when somebody's passionate mm -hmm. about music and you can feel, you know what that's like, it, it's so yeah. genuine no matter what you're listening to and at that at that point i'll listen to anything either like mm -hmm. it's funny you bring up celine dion my one of my old producers you know in my 
or the earlier years, early twenties, you know, and he said something about Celine Dion. And I started bashing him about it, and he's like, "Well, no, just listen, listen to the song, listen to the song." Yeah. And uh, and oh man, "Eyes on Me," I think was a song or something like that. Okay. And it was, it was awesome. I actually like, I listened to it. And I was like, "Oh shit, you're right." Like, yeah. and he's like, and she sings better than you, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, you got. <laughs> it's like you got a point man that's that's fair that's fair it's true man you ever you ever get into a band because you think you're being ironic and then after a while you just become so obsessed you realize they're great yeah yeah that's happened to me more than once exactly yeah Yeah. i mean it creeps up on you it does it does Uh, yeah anyway man this has been an awesome conversation i definitely want to have you back at some point because i feel like we could talk for hours (laughs) i think we could i you know what anytime once you start running out of people to on to go on your show i'll come back but you know what keep doing what you're doing because as i said I've, i've listened to all your episodes that are on so far and you are creating something so special and you your guests have said things that like i'm not a music music i'm not a musician but i'm a music guy but your guests have said things that have made me think, have made me go to the internet and look up stuff, have made me do like a, some 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 small deep dives, and I can relate to it. And you know, just that exchange of 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 conversation, meaningful conversation about something that we all mutually love, that's a good thing you're yeah. doing, man. And you got some really interesting people so far, and our community is so full of these people, not just Peterborough, but throughout yeah. Ontario. So that's so how that's how I feel, man. I really yeah. appreciate that. Thank you so much, Sam. I really, really Definitely. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, man. All right. Thank you. Well, have a good night. We'll talk to you later. All right. That's it. That's the podcast. I appreciate you listening today. If you could please do me one more favor, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and write me a review or subscribe to the podcast there. It is so much appreciated and it helps me out tremendously you can also check out all of my socials at ty wilson music that's insta facebook twitter whatever you'd like thank you so much for listening this has been another episode of ty wilson talks